You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition, the final edition of Greg's List Live for 2016, a year many people have grown to hate, especially the left-wing people that uh, just can't get over that Hillary Clinton lost. And normally I'm not one to spike the football. I never brag about a victory. Why would I do that? Why would I try to rub it in? But it's been so easy and fun since November 8th because the left absolutely refuses to admit that their candidate sucked. She wasn't a bad candidate. She was a horrible candidate. She sucked. Refused to campaign in America's heartland. Rather, or she preferred to go to these expensive dinners at $27,000 a plate in California and some of these uh, Northeast liberal strongholds and then run a completely negative campaign against Donald Trump and think she had it in the back. Well, we found out what happens when you go into something so arrogant that you don't even bother to campaign for a solid month because you underestimate your opponent and you also underestimate the fury of the American people at your arrogant attitude. And then you double down and you compound this by blaming everybody except for yourself, by refusing to look in the mirror and saying, what did I do wrong? I just saw a graphic uh, on, the, on the Internet. I get online every now and then. And it showed how regional a party the Democrats have become. It's amazing, David. The Democrats are basically a left coast, right coast party now. They have very little base in the middle of the country, especially in the Midwest, the South. They have, I, I, I firmly believe this. I believe they have lost Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania may be able to turn back, but, uh, I think they've lost Wisconsin and Michigan for forever just because they've turned their back on the working class. They've moved to become the party of the non-working class rather than for the working class. And Republicans, if Donald Trump can put in the the policies that will grant these folks the ability to, to choose their own doctor and not have to, to have $20,000 deductibles, bring back some manufacturing jobs by encouraging companies to stay here through modernizing the tax code, those states are going to turn Republican. And that makes for a very difficult map when all you have is California, New York, and, and, and some smaller liberal states. Maybe, I guess, Illinois isn't that small. But it makes it for a very difficult map for the Democrats. So we could very easily be in a situation where Democrats could continue winning the popular vote every four years. I mean, it's not too hard to run up the score in California and New York, especially with all the sanctuary cities, the questionable uh, voting registration efforts that they have there. It's not unlikely that they would lose the popular vote, but also lose the Electoral College or win the popular vote and lose the Electoral College, just like they did yesterday. After all of the lamentations and emails and hate mails, we've had a couple guests the past couple weeks that have been electors in Georgia. We had Michael McNeely on last week, uh, the week prior, Rachel Little. They went down to the Capitol, and all 16 electors in Georgia cast their vote for Donald J. Trump. Despite the best efforts of those B-list celebrities who put together that Oh, my God. Cringeworthy video imploring Republican electors to vote for anybody but Donald Trump. 
The irony, David, and I'm sure you saw this, is that Hillary Clinton actually had more faithless electors than Donald Trump. Colin Powell actually got three electoral votes. Ron Paul got one. And somebody that's protesting a pipeline, I can't think of the name right this second, they also got a vote. So Hillary Clinton lost uh, five or six. Donald Trump lost two. Uh, and one voted for John K. They were both from Texas, actually, your state. That one guy voted for Kasich and one guy voted for Ron Paul. So with that, I think we can go ahead and say Donald J. Trump is the undisputed, undeniable president of the United States. Now, he'll get sworn in on January 20th. You can look to see Obama trying to uh, – I don't know how many people he's going to pardon, but I bet you it's a lot. There's a lot of rumors of uh, some of the people, Blagovich, um, Kwame Kirkpatrick from Detroit. David, who have you heard that he may be pardoning? I know you have your ears to the grindstone on some of this stuff. No, but I – and I, I hate to uh, – we've avoided this for many, many years at America's Web Radio – but I have to ask, what color are these people that he's pardoning? You know, I, Blagovich is, is Caucasian. He's whiter than I am. Oh, uh, yeah. Kwame, Kwame, that, Blagovich, I mean. Blagovich, uh, the one from Chicago? Uh, yeah, yeah, Blagovich. or whatever? Yeah, well, he was the governor, I believe. Yeah. Then he was on a reality show. And, I didn't uh, realize he had pardoned him. No, he has, I don't think he has yet, but he's one of the rumors uh, that I had heard. And also, I mean, what, what, one of the things I saw was a left-wing missive that said Barack Obama could pardon every illegal alien in the country if he wanted. And I, I thought that's going to be kind of hard to do. Don't you have to have a yeah. name and social security yeah. number first to be able to get a pardon? I, you know. And like he, and now Obama came back, uh, people thought he was going to uh, pardon Snowden. But they uh, came back and said, well, he hadn't been charged with anything. What can I pardon him for? Right. So, you know, I, I, uh, but I, I, you know, I, like I said, I hate to sound racist on this, but it would be very interesting to see how many Muslims, how many blacks, you know. Well, I mean, I think he's going to, I think he's going to pardon the, the folks that have been the, uh, the, the beneficiaries of, of many of his policies, much to the detriment of Americans. We're seeing right now what happens in Germany when you have uh, when you're trying to resettle the second and third world without vetting them properly. I think that uh, the Germans are really regretting that, and that country may never be the same. They're trying to unring the bell, and it's it's hard to do that. I uh, I mean I of course I have sympathy for these these war torn regions some of which you can argue that the United States has been a major um, contributor to. But the solution is to not resettle the entire second and third world here. The solution would be to allow our private sector companies to invest in those areas. If we want to spend all this money, instead of, instead of spending $25,000, $30,000 per person to bring them here, we should be spending that same money investing in these countries' infrastructure and letting American private sector companies and, and companies that, that exist in those countries, let them start to rebuild their own infrastructure. Otherwise, this will become a cyclical problem. Every time, you, every time we pull people out of Central America, South America, the Middle East, what does that leave? It, it, we take the, we take, we're literally doing a brain drain. We're taking the best and brightest, and I can assure you some of them ain't that bright. 
But we're taking the best and brightest out of her there and leaving nothing behind except for criminals. So what, what's going to happen? It's going to get worse. It's going to fester. We're never going to solve the problem. And I'm not talking about nation-building, folks. I'm not talking about leaving boots on the ground. I'm talking about te- trying to teach these countries and their citizens to, to build their own society, to modernize their cultures. It's not, it, I mean, I, I know it's, and I know I may be making it sound easy here, but it, it's not. It's certainly not going to be easy. That's but the it's, whole it, thing about extreme vetting. That's like trying to catch a handful of wind. <laughs> you know, some of these people, you could spend a million dollars and not be able to vet them. You know, they, they basically have, they're alive, they're, they don't know how old right. they are, they're, they're obviously a body in front of me. Where do you start? Right. They don't exactly have uh, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian over there or Social Security or any real way to track them. So, you know, this extreme vetting, well, they have a signed note from mommy that says they're a good person. Look at the guy yesterday in uh, in Turkey um, they, that shot the Russian ambassador. That guy look, is clean cut. I mean, he looks like I, I was looking at the pictures of it, and as horrible as this sounds, some of it looks like he's starring in Allah Akbar the musical. He's holding up a gun, and it's like really, you know, the photographer there is getting accolades for having the balls to actually stay around and take the photos. But it's shocking the clarity of these photos. It really does look like a Broad Street play. Because uh, the guy, when he's holding up the gun, it looks like he's singing, and and then unfortunately, there's the the Russian ambassador's dead at his feet. So the, a little bit has been made of is that too graphic of a photo to show? I I don't think so. I think that's what we need to see to to illustrate the animalistic behavior of these people. And again, this guy is not your average you know part of the beard brigade with the Taliban. He's clean cut. He was a police officer, clearly trained to use the weapon. And had been, uh, I guess, motivated to extremism. But uh, still, that was a, 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 the front lines of this war are pretty much everywhere now, right? I was watching a little bit of uh, Fox yesterday, and they had a, a general on, and he was explaining that you can no longer feel safe anywhere, which is exactly what they want. But this was at the uh, opening of an art exhibit when this assassination happened. So, I mean, these folks were, they're probably, uh, if they're in Turkey, maybe they weren't drinking wine, but they were probably having some some food, maybe some couscous and enjoying a, a nice afternoon at the museum. And the next thing you know, they have to listen to a guy screaming Allah Akbar and, and murdering a Russian ambassador in front of their very eyes. So that's going to be a little traumatic, don't you think, Dave? You know, how many of those people are in our law enforcement? How many have have been vetted? How many, you know, we don't know. Well, we we don't know what we don't know. That sounds, it's not exactly profound, but we also, we don't know. What, who was the guy in in Texas? That was a major that was, it was in the Army that came back a few, Hassan was the name, I think. Well, he had been—he had even been picked he, out of the crowd, and so to get rid of him out of Walter Reed, they sent him to Fort Hood in Texas. Right, uh, so, and so he had been—he was a a psychiatrist, I think, wasn't yeah, he? I he mean, did. he had—I yeah. mean, he was actually supposed to be seeing if any of our troops were mentally unstable, and it turns out he was the one. I can't think—is it was his, Hassan? Was Hassan, his name? Yeah. Okay, 
I hate to say their names all sound the same, but <laughs> they kind of do. And they all sort of look alike. They, uh, well, except for, except for the guy yesterday. That guy yep. looks like he could be in, you know, rent or something up in New York. I mean, that's, that's the thing is if they start getting away from this typecast stereotype, and I think that's what they're trying to do, actually. They, uh, ISIS put out something in there. They actually have a <laughs> monthly magazine, and they were imploring their uh, followers – to start using trucks or lorries, as they're called overseas, as weapons because, A, they're, they're, you can rent one so it's fairly cheap, and, B, it's not really noticed by the authorities. It's much easier to acquire a big truck, and this is exactly what they did last year in Nice. And, uh, you know, I, I, I point to Angela Merkel. Um, you know, having these uh, these immigration plans where you're just literally letting letting streams of unvetted people come in Without really asking them to assimilate, one of the analysts that I was watching yesterday was explaining basically the way Europe is set up is the you know they bring in refugees and the refugees don't really assimilate they just form their own little communities in enclaves around the city in Paris there have tons of North African um, you know threats if you will that have basically b- put together slums in the outskirts of Paris, and even the cops don't go in those areas. They basically have Sharia law. They have all sorts of uh, crime against women there. They get their motivation from online. Basically, anytime anybody can get online, they can be inspired by some of this radical jihadism. And I think we're finding out that that doesn't work. Now, this doesn't mean we have to be a-holes to everybody. It just means we need to be sane in our policy. And I can think of nothing better for the United States than to have had a Donald Trump win where we're actually going to, to, to crack down on this rampant, militant immigration problem. And like I said, my idea is to, to, to help them build their own nations. Not with nation building with boots on the ground, but investment in their infrastructure. Let's look at that. We'll be back in a couple minutes. We've got Christy Riggins from ZPolitics.com. We'll see you on the other side of the break. You are listening to Greg's List. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from yeah, 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you probably notice that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment. The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise, while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient, because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you 
and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Craigslist Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. We're closing out 2016, a year uh, many people on social media are saying it's the worst ever. Have had a lot of uh, celebrity and musician deaths, but I think we have that every year. I bet you if you, you go back through the past 15 years, you're going to have an even number. It's called the law of averages. So let's... Uh, well, let's try to have an optimistic tone and end this thing on a good note. Uh, we're we're going to have our uh, friend Christy Riggins joining us, and she's on the other line now. ZPolitics.com editor. Christy, I don't believe I've had you on since the uh, one of the biggest political upsets in uh, modern history happened on November 8th. So welcome back to Greg's List. How are you doing? Indeed. I'm good. How are you? Uh, you know what? i, I got to say, I couldn't be better right now. 2016 has <laughs> not been that bad of a year for me, so... You know, I keep seeing the same thing where people are saying that this has been a terrible year. I totally disagree. This has been a great year for Republicans. <laughs> yeah, it's been a great year for Republicans and I think for the future of the country because we we really dodged a bullet. And I don't know if you're able to listen into the first segment, but, uh, you know, we had to mention some of the events uh, yesterday in Berlin. We've got some friends and family that are going to, to Germany over the next couple of weeks. And it's, it's just crazy that, uh, you know, we really dodged a bullet because of Hillary Clinton's plan wanting to import uh, a lot of these problems when we need to help these folks build their own countries back up. I mean, uh, yeah. what uh, I wanted to get your kind of impressions of Donald Trump's cabinet. It's been uh, it's been pretty pretty neat, pretty impactful for Georgia, especially with Tom Price uh, being elevated up to Health and Human Services. But uh, give me your um, initial uh, perceptions on it, and uh, maybe some predictions for how you think it's going to work out. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm in a little bit of a, an interesting position, and I, I I know that I'm not the only one. Where I was really not a, a huge fan of Trump, right? Um, you know, going into the election season and really even through the election, I had a hard time. I believe I believe we have you on record on this show with me stating as much. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a well known fact. I mean, I I really had a hard time with it, but it has been really a breath of fresh air to see a president come in and and truly appoint some conservative cabinet members um you know one of his first announcements being that he was going to tap jeff sessions as attorney general Mm -hmm. um to me was a great pick and of course like i'm an alabama girl so i was about to say yeah everybody in Alabama is just over the moon. Yeah, yeah, that goes back pretty deep for you, being uh, you still have a 205 uh, area code on your phone number. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can't cut that cord. (laughs) Not yet. Uh, So, yeah, um, seeing seeing guys like Tom Price, you know, you have have folks who um, have a record of, of being productive and being truly passionate about these different areas. Um, that they're getting appointed to. Uh, so it's, it's really exciting. I like that guys like um, Rick Perry, who wanted to abolish the Department of Energy, are getting appointed to lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it is ironic it, on some of these, isn't it? <laughs> I think, um, you know, a, a few days ago, you heard Michelle Obama talking to a crowd, and she said that 
what's happening right now doesn't feel a whole lot like hope. Well, for conservatives, I, I think it does feel a lot like hope that maybe we're actually going to start to see some reforms happening in these different departments. Um, so I'm personally encouraged, and I think that it's a wise choice to look at some of these um, conservative Republicans, especially from the South. Yeah, well, and that's the cool thing is I believe we're still waiting for Agricultural Commissioner, but uh, if Sonny Perdue was uh, elevated to that, Georgia would have two uh, members of the cabinet, which obviously I think that would be more than we've we've ever had in our uh, history as one of the original states, right? I, I, haven't, I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing on that, but um, I can't think of any other time, clearly not during the Clinton or Obama years, and I don't remember George W. having any Georgians on there, so... Uh, yeah. That And that really bodes well for our state. We are the eighth biggest uh, population state. That's clearly one that the Democrats covet going forward, but what we learned this past election is the Democrats don't really have a safe space in the middle of the country anymore, except for Illinois, I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I guess, I think it was actually um, on another... Uh, pundit's blog he had created what I, I think was called like the Hillary Clinton archipelago and it was just <laughs> these little land masses surrounded by this vast water you know if you were to visualize it like that just yeah. how you vote uh, you know or, or just you know the voting populations that rallied together behind her are so concentrated um, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, and th- I think that's what I, I think I saw that exact same thing. It basically showed how regional the uh, yeah. the Democrat Party had been when they had really been accusing the Republicans of being a a Southern party. I uh, I, I alluded to this earlier. I think that uh, Wisconsin and um, Michigan have have left the Democrat Party, and it could be it could be forever um, if Donald Trump can get half of what he's promised to do. Which and, and I do want to advise any of my legislators friends that may be listening. The, uh, I don't believe that the mandate that Donald Trump has is to refight some of the culture wars. I think it's an economic mandate, and that is to lower the corporate income tax, make our uh, manufacturers more competitive, and to really focus on bringing jobs back. Uh, I don't know if, that, if you feel the same on that, Christy. I do, and and I also think that, you know, I mean, if he's, if he's true to his word on the Supreme Court nominees, that he's um, said that he would pull from. I mean, I think that alone is going to put conservatives from a social standpoint in a good position for years to come. Mm -hmm. But I do agree that, you know, I mean, right now between Obamacare and the EPA, there, there are so many disastrous regulations that need to be rolled back. um, That's absolutely his first priority. And if he can accomplish that, then that is going to put, Republicans and conservatives in a good position for a very long time. Yeah, I, I guess I'd be careful using the term mandate. Yes, it was a, it was a nice margin in the Electoral College that only went up when they actually voted. Hillary had more faithless electors than Donald did, which was I, uh-huh. again, I, I, lo- I love when they keep yeah. recounting stuff. I, I, keep it up, Jill and J- Jillery. <laughs> keep up the excellent work. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's really the challenge, isn't it? Is to get somebody like Tom Price, who's actually a doctor and who's been working on healthcare policy for many years to get in there and look and see. Okay, is a couple of the uh, the the major misses from Obamacare is it useful? Uh, from what I've my research is the having kids on their parents until age of twenty six. It doesn't really cost that much. Personally, I, I, I'm not a fan of that because I think it encourages kids to not get jobs and stay on their parents.
parents, um, you know, tethered to them forever, but apparently that's pretty <laughs> popular and doesn't cost much. And the other one is the pre-existing condition. And I think those two items are ones that uh, we do need to have some kind of policy where if somebody does have a pre-existing condition, we need to have them pay a little bit of insurance so they know what it costs and have a little skin in the game. But we don't want somebody with asthma not being able to get insurance or somebody with, um, you know, with the, with the more DNA testing that becomes, the more robust that comes, there's going to be, you know, preclusions or the insurance companies would love to be able to preclude people. So we do need to address that and it may have to be from a, a government solution where we just say, you know what, we're going to we're going to expand, you know, a Medicare or Medicaid program for that, but we are going to look and see if the person getting that insurance is capable and what they're capable of paying into it instead of just giving away all the free stuff. Yeah. Absolutely agree. So let's switch it up to Georgia. Some speculation, as we've, uh, as the aforementioned Tom Price, his uh, ascension to one of the cabinet uh, positions in the Donald Trump administration, he's leaving one of the most coveted congressional districts. I've got to, I'll go ahead and say, in the country, yeah. uh, it's Congressional District Six. It goes from North Fulton to North DeKalb, down to Buckhead, and has East Cobb in it. It's got to be one of the wealthiest per capita districts in the country, certainly in the state of Georgia. This seat only comes up <laughs> once every decade and a half, it seems like. A lot of players are going to be jumping in this thing. Uh, what have you heard? Maybe some names that I haven't. I've thrown out Karen Handel and Judson Hill. Those are the two obvious ones. Chuck Martin, apparently, declared on Twitter, but I uh, haven't seen anything formal yet. Have you heard any other names on this? That, that's interesting. I actually haven't seen uh, Chuck Martin on Twitter. Um, no, I mean, Karen Handel put out, um, I don't know, I, I kind of almost read it as a pre-announcement today where she, you know, she kind of wrote up a coming soon mm-hmm. um, type Facebook post. Um, was I, it, I yeah, it, was one, it was one where we're going to pray over the holidays, but pretty sure we know the answer yeah. to those prayers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Like usually, when those posts go up, yeah, it's just like okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It, right. it, it's like the exploratory committee, right? But uh, so, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Karen handles um, in. We would think anyway. <laughs> so I mean, you know, you have you have some unknown people who have declared. Um, you know, Donnie Polina. Um, I, I guess like a, a far. I, I I've never met him. I don't know him. Um, you know, the AJC reported him as being a far right Republican. Joseph Pond, uh, you know, a plumber who wants to stay independent. A couple of former Democrat um, state representatives have announced. Mm-hmm. It seems like, um, you know, obviously right now Judson Hill um, is the is the strongest contender for that spot. And, of course, he just announced that he got Newt's endorsement. Right. Um, so that's interesting, you know. But, but one of the things that I think hasn't really been said about this race is probably the way it's going to shape up is you're going to have um, the the women contenders rise to the top. Mm-hmm. So Karen Handel um, is is going to have a great chance of winning this seat. Betty Price, if she decides to get into into the race, um, you know you can assume that she's going to get her husband's endorsement, <laughs> right? And so that could you know I mean she obviously she's been involved in politics for a very long time. She's also she is also very very savvy. Um, and is very well respected in political circles. Um, and to my knowledge, Georgia has not had a female Republican representative yet in Congress. Yep, we had uh, um, good old Cynthia McKinney, but she ain't a Republican. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, I mean, my 
my prediction is that it could come down to Karen Handel and Betty Price. Um, now, what I've heard that they would not run against each other, though. That's that's the uh, the caveat for that. I I would agree with that, but but I keep hearing <laughs> that Betty Price is is still very firmly considering a run. <laughs> well. That's going to, I mean, that's amazing. We're running up to the end of our time here, but uh, yeah, I wish we'll have more time to speculate, I'm sure, once the uh, new year comes back. We'll have, probably have right. a little bit more uh, vitality. What I'm seeing is obviously Judson Hill, I mean, I see it in three different regions, right? The North Fulton region could cannibalize each other a little bit. Chuck Martin, Brandon Beach is rumored to maybe run. John Albers is out. Jan Jones is out. But uh, yeah, I mean, if Betty Price and Karen Handel ran, they would really cannibalize a lot of their own uh, vote, and I think um, you know Judson Hill kind of being on an island in East Cobb, which is still a really big part of the district. He that would benefit him if both of them ran. But uh, that's just me speculating. But uh, Christy Riggins, politics.com can't wait to be reading your speculation going forward on uh, all the excitement, and we'll be having a lot of other races going on down the line. Christy, I really appreciate you uh, being able to co-host with me so much this year, and look forward to seeing you in uh, 2017. Thank you, sir. All right. And you were listening to Greg's. We'll be back with Corey Boone, the chairman of the Maryland Young Republicans. Yes, there are Republicans in Maryland. We've got one on the show. Coming up next, see you in a minute on Greg's List. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home for serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com. Just finished up a great segment with Christy Riggins, the politics.com editor and uh, frequent analyst on this program. Now we've got a first-time guest, a guy I met uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago at a uh, Christmas party, Mr. Corey Boone, who is actually the Young Republican State Chair for the state of Maryland. So go Terrapins and go Corey. Welcome to Greg's List. I appreciate you calling in today, Corey. 
No problem. How you doing, Greg? You know, I uh, a lot of people have been lamenting 2016 as being a bad year. I I think the exact opposite. We're ending it on a really good note. In fact, Don, every week goes by, it seems like Donald Trump wins something else again. So it's been a right. been a hell of a year. So tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on in Maryland. Y'all's proximity to D.C. is uh, actually obviously you're a border um, state, and it's really a suburb in some parts of it. So uh, running a state chair organization in a, a state as diverse as Maryland must be a, must be a challenge, but also must be neat because you can get down to the the nation's capital where all the action is relatively quickly. Yeah, I mean, we're, um, you know, as you said, we're a border state, and um, we're connected to D.C. through our our subway system, the Metro. Um, We also have another train system, the Mark train, that goes um, past Baltimore. So there's a lot of people that that live in Maryland that work in the District of Columbia. And um, so it makes it really hard to be a Republican um, in Maryland, because when you try to talk about small government, people think about you know, taking their jobs away. Right. So, so it, it, it's a bit challenging um, on that front. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, we have a, a Republican governor, Governor Larry Hogan. He's doing a great job, and he won. Uh, just sticking to the messaging of you know less taxes, being pro business, and um, we were we're lucky to have him as a governor right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, we always, conservatives and Republicans are always told, well, there's certain states you just can't win. But if memory serves, uh, you know, we had Mitt Romney, who a lot of times people say he wasn't a conservative, but he was certainly a Republican. I was happy to vote for him in 2012 uh, as a Republican uh, governor in Massachusetts. Uh, Illinois has had senators that were Republicans. Mark Kirk just lost this year, which was going to be a tough one to hold anyway. And in your state, Governor Hogan is a Republican. So how uh, you answered a little bit of this already but i mean how what platform do these guys run on to be able to win a statewide election in what's inarguably a blue state yeah well um you know like i said before i mean he just really stuck the messaging when uh the democrats and the democratic candidate at that time anthony brown uh try to get you with gotcha questions he just stayed disciplined and stayed on being pro-business and cutting taxes and, you know, focusing on education and just all different types of conservative principles that we hold, um, but resonated with um, Marylanders across the state. Um, So one of the first things he did was, you know, repeal the rain tax. I mean, you know, Governor O'Malley, um, you know, he tried to implement a rain tax, which is crazy. I can don't you explain the rain? Can you explain a rain? Right now, we don't have enough rain in Georgia. Can you explain a rain <laughs> tax to uh, to people that don't know what the hell that is? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, basically, it's a, um, it's basically like a sewage tax. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, when it rains, and you know the, the amount of uh, rain that goes into the sewage, it's all based on how much property you own. Um, so they tax that, um, which, yeah, it, it, I mean, like Maryland's not taxed enough, but it's, it, it's ridiculous. And, um, that was basically, um, <laughs> the line 
uh, that broke a lot of uh, Maryland Democrats. It's like, you okay. know what, you know, we, we pay a lot of uh, high taxes, but mm-hmm. taxing the rain, uh, is, is that, yeah. that's just it. Uh, that's, that's unbelievable. So the more property, I guess here's, okay, so the theory is the more land you have, the more mm-hmm. rain could possibly fall on your property, which right. means <laughs> that you are responsible for that rain going into the sewer. Is that right? Correct. That is unbelievable. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. You could be flushing away uh, whatever you want in your toilets, but and I guess that would impact the water bill a little bit. But I, yeah, I, exactly. I, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot. I, I'm thankful that that finally some folks in Maryland woke up and said, "My God, it's raining cats and dogs and taxes here." Let's put an end to this madness. So that's great. So Maryland's business climate, has it uh, been turning around? He's Governor Hogan's been there for a couple of years. I know he had a bout with cancer, yep. but uh, you told me he had recovered and was get back yep. to working full-time and, and, and getting things done for the people in Maryland. Yep, um, and he's doing a, a really great job. Right now he's at a 70% approval rating. Damn. And um, business climate, um, we were, I believe, at 46 um, out of fifty states, and now we're up to forty-two. Okay. Um, so it's gonna, so it's gonna take some time. He's been in office for about two years now. A seventy percent. Um, appro- I don't think Jesus has that at Christmas time. Seventy percent <laughs> approval ratings, unheard of. That's awesome. Yep. He, he's um the, the second most popular governor in the country, um, next to um Governor Baker. Okay. Out of Massachusetts. Wow. Yep. That yeah. is really cool stuff. So, so I think that gives you a great argument when you're traveling the state. Uh, and I know you're a regular business; you travel around the country too. And and on uh, all of your social media, you're it's clear that you are unapologetically uh, conservative. So I know you're probably preaching the the message wherever you go. But in in Maryland, it must be must be pretty cool to be able to walk around with a governor at seventy percent with an R by his name, huh? Yeah, um, it's it, like I said, we're we're lucky to have him. I mean, um, he, and if you ever get a chance to meet him, I mean, he's just he's just a really great, humble guy, um, and he gets it. He gets it with the working class. I mean, he was a, a small business owner, and so he understands the business climate and how hard it is to do business and and, and you know uh, employ uh, people from the state. It's, it's so. I mean, he is not a politician by any means, and. I mean, he just ran off a, a pro-business message. Well, in Maryland, if you ever look at a map of Maryland closely, it is a uh, it's a very diverse state. You have mountains, you have the Appalachians, mm-hmm. you have the Chesapeake area, the coast. So you've got you've got fishing as a job. You've got probably some mining and farming, yeah. even. So it's uh, I mean, you really kind of run the gamut of uh, jobs up in Maryland, I guess, right? Yep, and um, you know, right now. At the legislature, the Democrats are trying to do everything to um, postpone or prevent fracking out in Western Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that you know the success that they had in Ohio um, of creating jobs through fracking in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, we're trying to do that as well, right. but the Democrats are doing it as much as possible to block right. it. Well, I would imagine that a Donald Trump administration. Um, it is going to pull back a lot of these owners' EPA regulations that have really hurt, you know, the coal miners in West Virginia and Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, and probably a little bit of Maryland. I, I admit, that's why I had you on the show. I am not an expert on Maryland, so I figured I'd get you on. So you can be our resident expert. Uh, so you got, okay. <laughs> so, so you got, you got Baltimore, uh, is obviously the, um, 
you know, kind of the big city area. That's only about 40 miles from D.C., correct? Yes, sir. No, so, and do you all consider that a suburb, or is it a little bit too far away for, I guess they could be suburbs of each other, <laughs> kind of a twin city, if you will, right? Yeah, it's like more like in the, the D.C., Baltimore region. Um, you know, the Baltimore and D.C., is uh, they just have two different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore is much more blue-collar. Um, DC is much more government employees and white collar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when Baltimore finally got the, the Ravens, they were tired of cheering on the, uh, the Redskins. <laughs> and it's just, it's the same thing. You know, when DC finally got the, the Nationals, we got tired of, you know, cheering on the Orioles. So, gotcha. you know, it's, it's two separate cities, even though they're close, you know, it's, um, it's two separate cities. I actually grew up in Prince George's County, which is suburban of D.C., mm-hmm. and about three months ago, um, I moved up to Baltimore. So I'm experiencing just the, the different um, subcultures, I'll, I'll call it, the subcultures of the two different areas. Um, now, does so, Baltimore, I, I, unfortunately, I use Baltimore, I kind of, you know, put that in the same category with Chicago and Detroit when we talk about left-wing bastions that, uh, you know, haven't worked out over decades of uh, Democrat leadership. Am I being unfair to Baltimore? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Nope. So, <laughs> so Baltimore's got a lot of room for improvement. Obviously, I guess it was uh, last year when the um, some of the protests were going on, the mayor didn't exactly handle things appropriately, yeah. it seemed like. But, uh, again, not watching it from, from several hundred miles away, you don't really get the on-the-ground. Um, what do you remember from that, and what should uh, what should our listeners really know from kind of somebody that was there observing it? Because, you know, we, as, as Republicans, we sometimes look like uh, we don't care about some of these issues that impact um, some of the urban communities. And I, and I think the opposite is actually true. But, again, we sometimes we just want to judge from the distance, and I don't think mm-hmm. we're getting the true story. Yeah, I mean, um, I think a, a lot of it was people were just frustrated. I mean, in Baltimore right now, you have um, over 16,000 vacant homes. And, I mean, it's it's depressing. I mean, you go through the city and you just see all these row houses that's boarded up or, you know, that is, you know, half burned or, you know, it's just, it's just very depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, as, um, I'm sorry, the ambulance is going by, but. Uh, <laughs> you are in Baltimore, so, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Doesn't surprise me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, 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 it's just depressing. And, you know, you don't have a lot of jobs. The job market around Baltimore is not where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just a lot of frustration um, on top of the left trying to push their propaganda, mm-hmm. um, being anti-cop. And, yeah. you know, after a while, you know, you have people that actually believe it. Um, so, you know, I know city cops in Baltimore and I know city cops in D.C. And for the most part, they do a really great job. I mean, they're really... Um, putting their life on the line every day. Um, so, you know, just the, you know, being, you know, within the state, it's just, um, you know, I'm hopeful, but at the same time, there's just a lot of work that we need to accomplish to get it there. 
Yeah, and and also it's the investment in this in in the education and things like that. And I think that's where having a Republican governor who can, you know, hopefully be, guide uh, the stewardship of that money. I'm unfortunately a lot of times it's the cities that are in charge of how they spend it instead of uh, from the state. But uh, you know, ninety two percent of education funding comes from local and state levels, so it's kind of yeah. you know you got to look at some of these these programs and we're going to hey Corey if you can hold on a second I wanted to ask you a little bit about some of your predictions for the Trump administration I know you were a, a Ted Cruz uh, fan per our conversation over a couple of cocktails a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. I was a Scott Walker fan as many of my uh, listeners love to point out to me hey I, I can't always be right I uh, but I, I do my best but uh, hold tight for a couple of minutes Corey we'll be back in a couple of minutes you guys are listening to Greg's List. we'll see you on the other side of the break Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism. You're listening to our last broadcast of 2016, a year that a lot of people said hasn't been their favorite. Uh, it's been better than the past couple of years for me and certainly for the Republican Party. Corey, uh, we were chatting earlier, uh, had the, the great opportunity to meet you a couple of weeks ago. Were you we able to really go into some uh, you know, in-depth political rhetoric and, and rapport with each other? Uh, so Ted Cruz fan, um, you probably... We're a little bit suspicious. I always referred to Donald Trump as an undocumented Republican, but uh, he's certainly he's certainly doing some of the right things now. And um, I don't mean a pun when I say some of the right things. But what has your initial uh, perception of his uh, you know post election um, strategy been? I, I think he's doing a great job. Um, I, I, 
you know, I um, after Ted Cruz um, bowed out and uh, uh, President-elect Trump became uh, my nominee, well, at that time, the you know our, our nominee. Um, you know, I was I was cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. um, but you know, after him winning the election and you know start to you know pick out people like Georgia Zone, you know Tom Price and you know Nikki Haley and just some really solid conservatives. I'm 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 happy. I'm I I, I couldn't even think of uh, honestly a better cabinet than what he's doing so far. Yeah, I uh, I was kind of a Mitt Romney for Secretary of State guy, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, the more I look at Tillerson, you, you know, it is... I, I don't really worry too much about his business contacts. I do think he'll be able to to separate those. And, I mean, if you really, you know, the some of the left is complaining about Trump's people not being qualified, so you, you run the risk of, okay, if I don't have anybody, how do I determine if somebody's qualified? If they don't have any experience, then I'm just going to put them in there. Or if they do have a lot of experience, then they might have made some connections over 30 years of doing business, right? Exactly. So how do you how do you split the difference there, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, someone's always going to find something wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that's the bottom line, and especially with a lot of people being upset that, you know, President-elect Trump is, is going to be inaugurated soon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just trying to find any little thing to bring them down. Right. Well, and that's kind of the, the thing we've been looking at is their, um, their attempt to, to uh, cast him in a bad light as immediate. The cool thing about Donald Trump is I don't really think he cares. That's kind of how he ran his um his campaign he he ran it uh like frank sinatra he ran it his way right so that's one of the uh the benefits of having somebody that is decisive instead of um you know kind of uh let me stick my you know finger up in the air and see which way the wind blows which i think obama has been guilty of that um you know many times especially when dealing with some of these foreign policy problems right so we you know it on on it I've always said, here's what I would do. I'm going to ask you what you would do. Uh, if I was Donald Trump, on day one, what I would do, and this is possible, I would issue an executive order that would give a waiver to everybody in the country for the from the Obamacare insurance mandate or tax or penalty. That could be done very easily via executive order. And then I would also ask Congress to refund the penalty that was paid by more than 6 million Americans the year before, which was only $1.3 billion, but the penalty that hit 6 to 7 million American households for not being able to afford the government-mandated insurance yeah. was about $700 per household. So if he if he does that, I think that will would really set the tone for this was a bad law we need to repeal it i'm i'm looking out for for the middle class americans that were hurt the most by this thing and that would set a really positive tone for them um so what would you do cory moon on day one if you were donald trump oh good question um uh day one um i would i will probably try to get with um uh, Congressman Price and and see exactly uh, what was his law actually before day one, but try to go mm-hmm. through what his proposed law was and basically go to Paul Ryan and say, listen, this is what we want to put through. Please go ahead and 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 work with you know the the the, the, um, the House Republicans and see you know we can get enough votes. And 
and make sure everyone is fine so on day one we can get, get straight to business. Because, yes, as you said, like the Obamacare, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a disaster, and um, that's one of the things he campaigned on. Um, and people are really holding on to um, the words that he was saying on the campaign trail. Um, I will also, um, you know, do something with immigration to make a really big statement about that. Um, I believe that that's really what um, put him on the map in terms mm-hmm. of politics was his immigration and talking about the wall and and um, and talking about you know jobs. So I would definitely make a a, a big statement with immigration. Yep. Um, I don't know what I would do per se because I haven't really thought about it. Mm-hmm. But definitely with Obamacare and immigration, I will make a big statement about. So that. you would you would address basically the two campaign issues that I think propelled him because the uh, unaffordable care act has been unpopular since day one, and it whatever mm-hmm. number the liberals throw, ten million people are on it, eleven million people. We have a country of three hundred and twenty million people. So yes. if if we're going to look at policies by saying that one you know one third of one third of the people is on it, you know what I do the math on that's like three to five percent of the population. If we're going to destroy people's health care for three to five percent of the population and call that a good thing, uh, I would say that that is an easy target for us to look at. And uh, again, we don't want some of these people to go without insurance. We can't have a catastrophic shift. Uh, it, it took Obamacare six or seven years to go into place. I don't. I think they need to repeal it in the first two years. We have no idea what the midterm elections could present if the economy continues right. to do well. Uh, with the Trump bump, if you will, then I think the um, you know the Democrats have like twenty five Senate seats up, so they could be stand to lose a lot. But I really do think people want action immediately. And again, some of these government programs are going to take a while to unwind. What really pissed me off this past weekend is they were still running healthcare.gov commercials during the football games. I mean, they they, they they're doubling down on it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing about the left. I mean, they. They, they fight. They fight, and if they don't get it through legislation, then they try to go through the courts and, you know, basically take everyone's um, voice away and have one, one liberal judge to, you know, <laughs> pass the ruling, and everyone has to just sit there and just say, <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. what are we going to do now? So, yeah. Yep. You know what was interesting is when you look at the numbers, um, Donald Trump, even though supposedly he was going to be just drilled by every minority group out there, he actually outperformed Mitt Romney by 4% with African Americans, by 6% with the Hispanics. Uh, with women, he might have lost a little bit of ground, but he kept the Republican women going. Um, you know, what we, the Republicans have always been worried about increasing our, uh, our numbers with, uh, the, with non-whites. What, uh, uh, what should we glean from this? Um, that Donald Trump's rhetoric, which everybody thought or predicted would uh, drive some of these groups away, in fact, it, that didn't show up on election day anyway. So I'm hesitant to, when you're going around the state trying to rally the base, um, you know, what kind of messaging do you use and what should we glean from Donald Trump? Is it being direct and actually talking about the issues that people care about? Was that what got, uh, you know, some increased numbers for him? Or I, It's hard to, hard to say that his uh, his abrasive um, approach was that uh, I don't know. I guess inspiring, but it turned out that it was. Yeah, I mean, he was. I mean, I I, I, I wish 
I wish I knew. I mean, everything that, well, nearly everything that President-elect uh, Trump did during the campaign was was definitely not traditional. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a little while to kind of digest and understand um, what worked. Um, but, I mean, when he was on the stage and he said, listen, we're going to bring back jobs in the inner cities. We're going to, you know, give you the option of talk um, of, of doing school choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he 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 did not back down um, of talking about inner city issues. And so, um, instead of you know past candidates that might you know talk about the same things, but maybe in a softer tone, mm-hmm. he just tackled it. You know, um, you know, face up. Yep. So, you know, it it. it like I said, it's, it's going to take a little while to digest because he was so uh, non-traditional in his methods. <laughs> but um, you know, whatever it is, we definitely yeah. need to study it and try to you know implement yeah. it a little bit more. Well, and I think well, and I think what we'll end up learning is that his bypassing of the you know the traditional media, not really caring about endorsements from newspapers. I mean, remember every newspaper that came out, even ones that were from uh, kind of conservative-leaning things, they were like, this is the first time they haven't endorsed a Republican in 50 years. Yeah. And it's like, who the hell reads newspapers anymore? And I think that manifested <laughs> on uh, on Election Day. Well, man, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you for, uh, well, an extended segment here. You're the you're the last guest of the year. So you're going to go down oh, in history. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. And thank you so much, Greg, for having me on. <laughs> Corey Boone, the chair. Oh, well, I see you in D.C. for the inauguration next month. You shall. I, you shall. That's going to be great. Are you going to any of the um, the balls? The, uh, I plan on it. Okay. I have my eye on the on the Texas uh, boot and tie ball. But, okay. Um, there's, there's just a lot of options yeah. out there. Yeah, well, that, that I'm, time I'm planning on doing kind of a counter-programming to the actual uh, inaugural ball because I don't have $250,000. Plus, I'd have to bring my wife, too. I'm sure she'd want to go. <laughs> so we're probably going to be doing a party at, uh, at a hotel somewhere, so I'll make sure I get with you and, and network because I'm sure you've got some, some home field and some local advantages up there. So that'll be the uh, the 20th that Friday. I'm getting up there on the 18th, uh, I guess, okay. that Wednesday. So I'm I'm super excited about it it is going to be so much fun and uh it's just i, I feel so positive going forward I, I don't even know what i'm going to talk about on this show anymore <laughs> so, but uh, anyway Corey Boone, i appreciate you calling in we'll see you in about a month and thanks you guys who've been listening to greg's list for the past four or five years um it's been a great time and we'll see you uh at the turn of the Turn of the year, another trip around the sun, as they say. You've uh, made it a an interesting year and by far my most fun year on the radio. Thank you all for listening. The replay of the show will be on tonight, 6 p.m. Bye-bye. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.